Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us. We thank you for your generous, lavish love for us. And we ask now that as we open your word, you would open our hearts, you would open our minds to see you, Lord, to behold your lavish generosity. And Lord, by the help of your spirit, move in a way that makes us more like you. Lord, beginning with me, here and now, grow us to be generous like you. We pray for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So when you think about God, when you begin to contemplate what God is like, I wonder, do you think of God as tight-fisted? Or do you think of God as extraordinarily generous? In our galaxy, there are 300,000 million stars like our sun. And our galaxy is one of 100,000 million galaxies. There are 25,000 varieties of orchids. And the orchid is just one of 270,000 species of flowers. Contemplate the wonder of the eyeball or the eyelid. That was a nice touch. Like, can you imagine what life would be like without eyelids? Uh, what about the vocal cords or uh, the opposable thumbs? I mean, I love these bad boys. Without these, my God-given selfie stick just wouldn't work. And, uh, and the human brain, think about that, sends billions of bits of information to our body and controls every single action from blinking to sweating. There's probably more electrical wiring in your body than all the computer systems around the world put together. When I, when I think about these things, when I contemplate these things, I can't help but wonder how extraordinarily, extravagantly generous our God is. That is amazing. He's amazing. And, and what's even more Amazing to me is that we're created in the image and likeness of this lavishly generous God. And that means that God created us for generosity. God creates us to be generous too. And being generous is a significant way that we acknowledge God and imitate God. God is extraordinarily, lavishly generous, and he created us to be like him. So what's my problem? <laughs> what's, what's the problem? The problem is that we are broken, 
And God's generous image upon us has become distorted and we need to be redeemed. We need to be restored. We need to be put back together as the generous beings that God created us to be in the first place. And because of our brokenness, our our past hurts, our future fears suppress the generosity that God created us to express. And so rather than share, we take. Rather than bless, we withhold. Rather than give, we hoard. And in our brokenness, we're always pursuing more and yet we never feel like we have enough. Early in my marriage, my wife had to correct my English, which was very humbling for me as an English major. (laughs) But I was accustomed to saying, I really need a new fill in the blank. I really need a new And what Amanda would be quick to say is, Matt, you don't need a new, you want a new. And she was right. And I became aware of my brokenness in this area and how I struggled with the inflation of want versus the reality of need. And every day, we're bombarded in such a way. We're bombarded with advertising and marketing that tempts us to desire things that we don't need, but feel like we do. That we don't really need, but that we we really want to have. And we inflate our want instead of contemplate the reality of need. And what happens is that we begin to think that we don't have enough. And so we pursue a lifestyle that's beyond our provision. I want to show you a clip from my favorite movie of the year so far, The Greatest Showman. Have any of y'all seen that? Okay, we have some fans. Great. If you haven't seen it, this is only a semi-spoiler alert, but I do want to encourage you to watch this movie Uh, if for no other reason, for the incredible gospel undertones in this movie. Now, as you watch this clip, I want you to watch the different characters. What do you think are their hopes and hurts? And which one do you identify with the most? taking their seats. Speaking of which, yeah. Tom and Letty, the others, they just arrived. What? Where should I put them? Uh, Your box? No, box, no, no, no. That's been visible. Visible? The acoustics are actually better in the standing room. That's where they should be. Miss Lynn's ready now. Okay, thank you, thank God.
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your patience. I recently had the privilege of hearing the most divine voice I've ever heard. Suddenly, he's a connoisseur. Now, I know that sounds like Barnum humbug, but I have a hundred bottles of good champagne on ice that says this isn't just another sideshow novelty. May I present the Swedish Nightingale, Miss Jenny Lind.
T.T. Barnum grew up the son of a poor tailor. And all he wants is to make a name for himself. But his past pain pushes him to want to achieve more and more and more, even at the expense of all those around him. And just after this performance, Jenny Lynn explains her song to Barnum, saying, I sometimes don't feel like I belong here. I was born out of wedlock, and that brought shame upon my family. And life always manages to remind me that I don't deserve a place in this world, and that leaves a hole that no ovation can ever feel. Which character do you identify with? Why? The irony is that P.T. Barnum and Jenny Lind are the same. Neither one of them are ever satisfied with enough. And it destroys their life and seriously hurts all the people around them. Always pursuing more and still feeling like it's never enough is the tragedy of our brokenness. We fear losing what we have and our fear gives way to a scarcity mentality that makes us grab and hoard and manipulate until we become so enslaved by a spirit of self-preservation that we begin to live like it's me against the world. Never enough devastates our soul. Never enough hurts our relationships. Never enough robs us of joy. But... Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us a new birth into a living hope and an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. This is the generosity of the gospel. The generosity of the Father in Christ Jesus. God comes to save us from our broken way of life. His love casts out fear. And so the greatest expression of generosity the world has ever known is this. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. This generosity flows out of love. In giving us his son, God gives us his very best. Generously, lavishly, sacrificially from his heart for our benefit. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as our ransom because generosity runs deep 
within the heart of God. Y'all, Jesus is more than enough. He's more than enough to satisfy our soul. Jesus is more than enough to reconcile our relationship with God. Jesus is more than enough to reconcile our marriages and our friendships. Jesus is more than enough to fill our lives with the joy of generosity once again. I think that's why C.S. Lewis defined Christianity as a kind of giving. Because God has poured out his generosity to us in Christ and in faith, we respond gratefully by living generously toward God and by living generously toward all those around us. Now, there's no better example of this than our scripture reading for this morning. This is what Paul writes about in Philippians 4, 10 through 20. And I want to encourage you to open your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, the blue Bibles in your chairs, uh, this is on page 982, Philippians 4, 10 through 20. When it comes to generosity, the Apostle Paul basically says this, I rejoice greatly because of your concern for me. It was good for you to share. No one else shared with me except for you. And your gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And just as you have met my needs, God will meet all your needs too, according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, um, before I, I dig in and unpack this, I, I just want to say, if you're a guest with us here this morning, um, you've come the first time that we've talked about money and generosity all summer. So I, I don't know what God's doing in your life, but that's what we're doing this morning. And, um, and here's the thing, there, there are a lot of us who have some real hurt and wounding um, around the church and money. We have not been um, taught well. We have not had positive experiences in the church on that. And so I just want you to know that we're glad you're here. But you can ask anybody around here that at Grace, we talk about money because God talks about money. All through the scripture, God talks about money. And God talks about money not because God wants your money. God does not want your money. God wants your heart. And so God talks a lot about money because of the power that it can have over our hearts and how it can devastate our lives and how it can devastate the lives of those around us if we don't align our hearts with God and his view throughout the scriptures of, of resources. And so I just, I just want to say that if you have um, been hurt by that this morning, Ask God to heal you because his healing presence is here. If you haven't received good, healthy, positive 
biblical teaching on that, then there's a card in front of you on our website. We have From the Heart, our theology of giving. And right here, we're just going to go through a little bit about what God says, because God wants you to be free. He wants you to experience financial peace. He wants to heal you, and he wants to set your hope on him, not the things of this world. So that's just a little bit of an aside. Paul shares three things about generosity that are extremely encouraging, and I hope these are helpful and build you up this morning. First, he says that generous giving brings joy to others. This is what he presses in on in verses 10 through 16. He thanks the Philippians for making him so happy. He writes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have renewed your concern for me. And so on the one hand, Paul writes that in some ways, uh, he doesn't need their money. That's not what it's about. Verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I rejoice greatly that you've shared with me, but I'm saying this because I'm not in need. Okay, why has he no need? Because Paul's learned something extremely important. He's learned to be content. I want to learn to be content. What is the secret of contentment? Many think it's to have everything they want. They say to themselves, if I only had a bigger home, if I only had a a, a better car, if I only had more money, then I'd be content. That'd make everything great. But the truth is, is that those things don't bring contentment, do they? They only bring a desire for more of the same. John know who uh, John Rockefeller is? John Rockefeller, uh, American tycoon, founded Standard Oil Company. He made hundreds of millions of dollars. One time he was asked, how much money does it take to make a man happy? And he answered, just a little bit more than he has. That's the tragedy of our brokenness. But for Paul, what he's writing is that the secret of contentment is the transforming, life-giving friendship of Jesus. He writes, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The secret of contentment is learning to live not on external resources, but on internal resources. The hope of glory, Christ in us, who strengthens us in every way. And the one who learns this secret is truly rich beyond all measure. Paul was rich because of Christ. And so he's able to write to the Philippians and say, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have renewed your concern for me. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, on the other hand, Paul did need their help. Look at verses 14 through 16. He writes, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. The word share here is the word that comes from the same word as uh, koinonia. He's talking about their close friendship. He's talking about their deep relationship how much they they love and care and support each other, how they have all things in common. 
And because of the Philippians' care and concern, they were eager to share, to be generous, to bless Paul and the ministry he was taking beyond Philippi. And because of their generosity, not only are they imitating Jesus, but Paul is able to continue the mission of Jesus, sharing the gospel and making new disciples and starting new expressions of the local church all around the Mediterranean. And so what Paul's saying is that generous giving brings joy to others. Second, Paul is saying that generous giving brings joy to those who give. He's less concerned about people's money and more concerned that they should be blessed. He explains that giving is an investment in the kingdom, an investment in the people's lives toward their relationship in God. And so we receive the joy of participating and seeing lives changed. People meeting Jesus. The gospel transforming families and neighborhoods. The hungry being fed. The sick made well. Captives set free. Every time we hear a testimony of God's presence and power, in someone's life, in our sphere of influence, we reap the reward of our generosity. We see God's presence and power at work. And what the New Testament principle is, is that if we want treasure in heaven, we have to send it on in advance. And I don't know exactly what our reward in heaven will be like, but I suspect that we'll see the faces of those that we knowingly and unknowingly blessed with our generosity. I imagine we'll see people and hear them say, I became a follower of Jesus partially as a result of your gift, of your generosity. My marriage was restored. I was healed. I came back to church again because of your concern for me, because of your generosity. Paul says that generous giving brings joy to others and generous giving brings joy to those who give because of how it blesses others. And third and finally, Paul says this, generous giving brings joy to God. That's what he says in verse 18 and 19. He writes that such a mundane matter as a material gift is a fragrant offering. It's the same expression used for Christ's offering of himself for us on the cross in Ephesians 5, 2. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so what Paul's saying is that our generous giving brings joy to God because it imitates his great love for us in his son. So offerings and sacrifices aren't easy. It can be hard to give. There's a cost. 
But what Paul is saying is that our generosity pleases God. Our generosity liberates us from the hold that money might otherwise have on us. Our generosity brings us joy, knowing that we've brought God joy and we've made an eternal difference in the lives of people around us. God is an incredibly generous God. He's created us to be generous like him. And even when we're not, he doesn't give up on us or withhold from us. He gives us his very best, his son, who redeems us to be generous like God again. Now, seriously, y'all are some of the most generous people I know. Like, wow. You foster and adopt children. You generously take meals for families with new babies and new kids. You provide hospitality for out-of-town visitors. Leverage your relational capital to introduce and connect people and help them find jobs and homes and care. You share your gifts and talents in so many ways with the discipleship, with the the makerspace team. You helped gathering midtime with their first missional resident, Jake Oshbacher, who started last week. We have 73 promise cards so far this year, and we give away 32% of our budget for ministry outside this church. We've got 167 servants registered in Ministry Schedule of Pro. Only 144 are active. I don't know what's going on there. But, uh, but 167 servants in gift-based, team-based ministry for the love and edification of the body. 30 to 35 of you consistently rotate through the kids' ministry every month. I'm told we need about 10 or 15 more. I mean, you saw what the Lord's doing. He's given us more babies, more kids, and we need more servants to love and shepherd them in Christ on Sundays. 87 of you have recently served with Loving Lamar through the Cultural Festival, Teacher Appreciation Luncheon, Fall Festival, Christmas Blessing. And you know that we have 28 people already signed up for our brand new Snack Pack for Kids ministry at Bowdoin Elementary School. That starts like next week. I could go on and on. I know I've already left tons of things out, but y'all also appreciate getting to lunch on time. So, but y'all are amazingly generous people because you are growing in your knowledge and love of our generous God. You are experiencing and enjoying his presence among us and being redeemed to be more like Jesus imitating him in your generosity and your generosity displays the love of Jesus everywhere you go and you bring so much joy to so many people and you bring so much joy to God. It is a privilege to be a part of this family. Now, as we continue to grow in the joy of generosity, here are five quick things uh, that you might want to step into this week. 
five practical action steps to help you grow in the joy of generosity. First, practice gratitude and express appreciation for the things that God has given you right now. Because if we can't be content with what we've been given right now, how are we going to be content if God gives us more? Practice gratitude and express appreciation to God, to one another. Secondly, you don't have to do all five of these. Just pick one. Secondly, invest in people over possessions. Hey, Matt, really work on investing in people over possessions. Okay. When we put the needs of others above our personal desires, it really makes an impact. And it brings joy that mere possessions never can. Third, reach and surpass the tithe. And for a little encouragement in that area, again, you can read online our From the Heart booklet. That's our theology of financial giving. Or just go to the end of the Old Testament and read Malachi chapter 3, verse 7 through 10. That'll really encourage you. Fourth, um, if you're eager to get clear on a home budget, to get out of debt, to figure out how to save, to get in a place of financial freedom where you can become more generous, I want to encourage you to participate in the Financial Peace University course that um, KJ and Sandy are going to be leading this fall. KJ, where are you? I love, I, lo- I love it when people always sit in the same place because I know right where to look for them. So KJ, Sandy, will you all raise your hand? Okay, so if any of y'all, have any of y'all ever taken financial peace before? Amanda and I did it. Absolutely incredible. Um, That's going to be uh, this fall. It's 12 weeks. It's going to be upstairs in the family room on what night? Nine weeks. Nine weeks. Starting September 12th? Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Okay, so if you want more information, if you want to sign up for that, see KJ and Sandy. Practice gratitude and express appreciation. Invest in people over possessions. Reach and surpass the tithe. Participate in Financial Peace University. Last and most importantly, be satisfied in God above all else. Contentment in any and every situation is to know and love and receive the generosity of the one who never changes. Jesus Christ. It's his presence and his love that never disappoints us. It can never be lost. It isn't based on the ups and downs of life or how good we are or aren't. And when the grace of God in Christ fills our heart with the love of God in Christ, we end up desiring nothing more than God and the things of God. We seek first the Lord and his kingdom and its righteousness. This is the secret of contentment. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who strengthens us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing generosity. You are so good to us. And so as we come to the table and commune with you and one another this morning, we ask that you would fill us afresh with your life-giving spirit.
that we might be most satisfied in your son and become more and more generous like you. This is our prayer, our sacrifice and offering of praise and thanksgiving today. In Jesus' name, amen.